Maine Calling on Demand is made possible by Maine Seacoast Mission, strengthening Maine's coastal and island communities through education, health, and support. Learn more at seacoastmission.org. Today on Maine Calling, teaching African American history in Maine. President Gerald Ford officially recognized Black History Month in 1976, almost a half century ago. But how to teach black history remains controversial in many school districts across the country. You may have seen the most recent headlines surrounding some states altering what can be taught, as well as the College Board's development of an AP African American Studies course. I'm Jennifer Rooks. Today on Maine Calling, we will look at how black history is taught here in Maine. A recent law requires Maine schools to teach African American studies along with the history of genocide, including the Holocaust. How are schools adjusting their curriculum to meet the law? What did you learn about black history? Join our conversation. Maine Calling is just ahead. I'm Jennifer Rooks, and this is Maine Calling. As of 2021, a new law in Maine requires schools to teach African-American studies and genocide to students. Today, we'll find out what Maine students learn about black history and how those lessons are evolving. And we'll discuss the national controversies over what to teach students about African-American studies. With me today, Dr. Larissa Malone, Assistant Professor and Chair of the Teacher Education Department at the University of Southern Maine's School of Education and Human Development, and Chris Jones, who is a special ed teacher at Noble High School. We invite you to join the conversation. What did you learn in school about black history? Do you think it was a good enough education? Do you know what your kids are learning? Let us know how you feel about efforts to expand African-American studies. You can send an email, a brief email, please, talk at mainepublic.org. Post a comment on social media or give us a call at 1-800-399-3566, 1-800-399-3566. Thank you both for joining us. And I'll start with you, Dr. Malone. Define how black history has been taught in the classroom over the last few decades and how it's evolving. What, what if, if you're listening to this program and maybe you're in your 40s and you have kids who are in middle school, how is what they're learning different than what you learned? Thank you so much for having me, Jennifer, today. Um, so I am one of those people that are in my 40s, so I can reflect on that question, um, truly. Um, so in, over the last few decades, I would say that African-American history taught in school really hasn't changed, which is pretty unfortunate. Um, so if you go into a traditional textbook, there may be a couple of pages that focus on enslavement. Um, there might be a couple of pages um, or a highlight that focuses on Martin Luther King. Um, and I'm sure now if there's a textbook that's been published in the last decade or so, it might be a feature on Obama, right? Um, but besides that, um, there is a huge void of inclusion of African-American history um, on a broad scale. I would say since the um, murder of George Floyd, there has been a renewed push to have um, inclusion of African-American history um, in 
um, in all classes, right? Even starting at early ages, but it's variable. Um, not only does it vary from state to state, but it also varies from district to district. And honestly, it varies from classroom to classroom in many ways. Yeah, I was thinking about that coming into this program that in a way, this is a tough topic to discuss because there is no one way in which African-American history is taught. Um, Chris Jones, in your classroom, um, I know that you've made an attempt in past years to teach your kids. Uh, what what are you able to do and not able to do? Are you are you um, is your curriculum controlled by your administration or can you teach the way that you feel is is right and fit? Yeah, thank you, Jennifer. Um, so what I do is a little bit different in the sense that as a special educator, I'm working with students on intervention, um, trying to develop literacy skills, reading and writing skills. So the work that I'm doing to incorporate a more diverse perspectives into the instruction that I'm doing is, is intentionally through the text that we're reading, um, the work that we're creating, trying to provide students with doors, windows, and opportunities to, to see different perspectives and to reflect on their own experiences um, in their world in real time. Um, so that's that's much of the work that I'm doing in, in my own spaces. Um, and, and, I, and I definitely have seen some intentional efforts from a lot of educators around the state to try to find ways to work um, more African-American studies, more black history within into their classrooms. Um, but again, um, as, as Dr. Malone stated, it, there, it's going to vary. It's going to depend on um, the intention, the, the, the interest, and, and, you know, where you're kind of coming to this work from, like where you're, where you're starting from, um, what kind of skill set you've got. Chris, you grew up in Maine, and um, I'm wondering what you learned about African-American history in Maine schools. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think Dr. Malone hit the highlights. You know, um, there was there was slavery, there was Harriet Tubman, um, you know, there was Martin Luther King, there was yeah, protests and marches and sit-ins, and then um, somehow everything got better. But it like like it didn't. You know, like things the, the history didn't end there. Um, and Certainly, I had some individual teachers that were were kind of challenging me and pushing, putting some things in front of me that were were helping me kind of gain a better understanding of of our of our world. But um, on its base, that's 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 what I was that's what I saw. Larissa, you train teachers. How eager are future teachers to incorporate Black history and 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 for that matter, um, the main law talks about genocide studies. Talk. Um, inclusion and um, plurality into their lessons? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm not from Maine, so I have, a, I think, a, a, a distinct um, viewpoint coming in, you know, being from away. Um, so what has struck me about students, particularly in Maine, is when we do talk about um, race and education, um, there is never a failure of a student saying, yeah, well, that's really good, um, but that really doesn't matter here because there's a narrative that in Maine, 
Maine is exempt from any sort of segregation um, or issues of race or the civil rights movement um, that happened away and not here. Um, and then we typically do something um, called an equity audit that um, one of my colleagues has developed, Lynn Ross, um, that really analyzes um, different school systems on um, various levels and measures. Um, and they quickly see that there's disparities within school systems across the state of Maine, right? The students that are in AP classes are mostly white. Um, the students that are suspended are mostly students of color. And this is not just in heavily um, integrated school systems. This is in even rural settings. Um, and so a light bulb com comes on and they realize that what they had thought they knew about history and the inclusion of black history and it being ha it happening someplace else um, and the effects of discrimination um, isn't just a way, it actually is here as well. Um, so when that light bulb comes on, um, I do sense there's a sense of general curiosity of you know, trying to make the world a better place and their classroom a better place and be more inclusive. But I have to say, it's really hard to teach. Um, you can't teach what you don't know. So if they've gone through a school system that hasn't included African-American history um, as part of the history curriculum, then they're not only um, tasked with learning how to be a good teacher, they're also tasked with learning African-American history so that they can teach it. Um, so if you can imagine, you know, they may have to teach fractions. What if they never knew fractions? How would they ever teach it? And that's the problem that um, the implementation of African-American history is facing. I can imagine. Chris Jones, I see you nodding a lot and <laughs> in, in, in sort of really relating to what Dr. Malone is saying. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I've got um, a, a lot of the challenges. Sorry, I've got a kid. kid oh, you've got a baby. Down. You I'll, know I'll what? Go, I, I, come, go take care of your son and, and come back. And in the meantime, we're going to go to Jesse Hargrove, who is a social studies teacher and chair at Herman High School. Jesse, thanks for giving us a call. Thank you for having me. How, how does the teaching of black history um, look in your department at Herman High School? Well, we're, I think we're a very fortunate school district in that we have a lot of choice um, for the students in the school district. The only class that they're required to take is a freshman geography class. Um, so that's probably where it starts uh, really getting to some of the basics of all of our continents, including Africa and some of the cultural differences um, that exist, not just around the world, but within some of the content, uh, continents of um, Europe, continents of Africa, and the countries within, within the continent. Um, from there, there's a little bit of an economic investigation, uh, case studies such as is the chocolate industry really beneficial for countries such as Cote d'Ivoire? Um, after their ninth grade year, students can really select their way through our other social studies offerings. Um, and so depending upon their offerings, they may have different units. One of our offerings is a making history class that really explores more the skills of doing history, such as how to do research, what are some alternative products to tests, so how do you uh, develop a documentary or a website, and the content is really a choice. So this year, a number of our students really wanted to focus on the Tulsa race massacre because it was something that was unfamiliar to them. We also have 
some dual enrollment offerings, um, partnering with the state's universities. Um, and we try to take a more modern, contemporary American history perspective, uh, going from Reconstruction through the modern day, um, and really tracing some of the Supreme Court decisions that have happened uh, just prior to the Civil War and leading up with intersectionality all the way through um, women's suffrage and some of the um, gender equity and marriage equity Supreme Court decisions that have come through. Um, so really looking at how some of the same Supreme Court decisions that were about bringing equity to different racial groups, how they have also brought equity to other populations within the nation. Jesse, let me ask you this. I'm sure you've seen the headlines and the stories about controversies throughout the country where parents are pushing back uh, when kids are taught the kinds of things that you've just described to me. Have you had any of that happen in Herman? <laughs> um, not about racial um, lessons or units. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned that prior to a couple of years ago, I had had a conversation with my principal expressing concern. Is this something that we were likely to see? And I've never had a single parent contact me and say that they were concerned about any of these units. But I would also say that my department has been very good about being proactive and acknowledging that we will be uh, approaching controversial issues and talking to parents during open house, making phone calls. And by and large, I hear parents who are glad that we are addressing these issues with the students because they want their students to be successful in, in the world. Jesse, before you let you go, I'm going to ask Dr. Malone if she has any questions for you about your school and, and the approach to African-American studies. Um, Hi, Dr. Hey, Jesse, how are you? How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Yourself? I'm well. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have any specific questions um, for you. Um, I guess the question is, um, what is the, is it possible for a student to go through the process um, of, you know, uh, freshman on not necessarily touching on African-American studies? That's a great question, and I would say that that is something that the department has intentionally been working on in our vertical team meetings and our department meetings, is to intentionally not just incorporate a more honest history department, but also expanding our programs beyond just February. Um, so that was something that some of our students of color had, had commented, that they feel awkward when you know, it's Black History Month and they're the only black student that's in a class. So we are working on that and expanding that so that every single course offering does have units geared towards that. Um, if I may, I, I, <laughs> I also heard some of uh, what Dr. Malone was saying before, and I would say it's a very legitimate concern. I think my department feels the need ourselves to beef up our own understanding of black history in America as well as black history throughout the world. Um, so I, I would echo that concern. Well, Jesse Hargrove, thanks so much for calling in and taking part in the conversation. Jesse Hargrove is the chair of the Social Studies Department at Herman High School. We are going to take a quick break. We'd love to have you call in and join our discussion. Tell us what you learned, what you would, what you wish you'd learned, and, and what you're still learning today. Our phone number, 1-800-399-3566. Send an email to talk at mainpublic.org or find us on social media. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back. This is Maine Calling. I'm Jennifer Rooks. Our topic today, teaching black history. What do students learn? Joining me, Chris Jones, who is a special ed teacher at Noble High School, and Dr. Larissa Malone, who is chair of USM's Teacher Education Department in the School of Education and Human Development. Join our conversation. Send a brief email to talk at mainepublic.org. Comment on our Facebook page or on Twitter or Instagram or give us a call at 1-800-399-3566. Dr. Malone, I think so many of us are learning so much more in our adult lives about African-American history. I, I can reflect on my own education for this program. I've read biographies of Frederick Douglass. Just recently, I saw PBS's fantastic documentary on Zora Neale Hurston. And so even though I had read their eyes are watching God as a high school student. I didn't know about her work as an anthropologist and and everything she contributed. Um, and I'm wondering if you have, I've, I've just put out two names there, if you have a, a list per se of, of people that, or, or events or um, movements that you think are essential to what needs a, a a young person graduating from high school, when they're a senior in high school, needs to have learned about? Hmm. Yeah, I think the list would be endless, right? Um, so I, I, I won't mention any particular names because I feel like I would be uh, leaving off some important things, but I will go with a general theme. And I think it's really important to look at Maine's Black history um, and New England's Black history. Um, but, you know, even keeping it small with that main Black history just to the state, um, I think that's so important um, because that's something that's often overlooked and not integrated into curriculum. Um, so when we mentioned those big movements that are learned, like uh, the Martin Luther King, you know, um, era and civil rights era and enslavement, um, those are things that can be taken out of the um centrality of Maine, but there's so many things that have happened in Maine. And there's such a long history of African-Americans in Maine that is often not included. Um, and so when I go to, let's say, um, a, a listening session on Malaga Island, I always hear from adults, adults, you know, many of which are teachers, how come I wasn't taught this? How come I don't know this? And if that was known, a story such as that, then um, the tie to main to um, large movements of, of enslavement or um, discrimination would be much more would um, be much more readily known, I think. Um, so that's where I would put the focus on because it's easy to think about African American history as other. And when you bring it to the locality of the state, then it becomes part of main history, which I think is the most important thing for Mainers. Chris. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree um, with what Dr. Malone said. I think also Maine's contribution, like historically, just as being such a maritime location and our contributions historically to the slave trade and how we as a state benefited from those efforts. And I think often seeing, seeing us as being a Northern state and very much um, abolitionists, there is there's also other things that are happening or happened within the state that um, contributed to our collective history kind of in a negative way. An email here I'll, from I'll, Jeff. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Larissa. 
Oh, I was just going to add that um, I just heard one of my colleagues from the history department, Dr. Leroy Roy, say this. Um, so I'll um, give him uh, his his due by saying his name there. Um, but he he mentioned just the the formation of the state of Maine and how it was, you know, part of you know became a state because of the compromise of another state, Missouri, becoming a slave state. Right. So even in that, it's in the in in our veins, right, that we have contributions to the um, hardships that African Americans have faced. Um, so it's not something that we can turn a um, a blind eye to, um, because it's it's been since the beginning of the formation of the state. An email here from Jack. It wasn't until after I graduated college that I learned about the genocide of Native Americans that happened on this continent at the hands of European colonizers and their descendants. I was appalled. I thought I had received a good and objective public education in Maine schools. It made me question many things I learned. History is told by the winners, and the backlash against African American studies is no different. The winners are worried about losing their inherited status as such. It's about time. Uh, Dr. Malone, thoughts on Jack's comment? Yeah, um, there's a great book uh, called Lies My Teacher Told Me that kind of include those type of things, right? Um, it's by James Lowen. Um, that history is often skewed. I mean, we're on the air now talking about African-American history, right? And then we call the other thing that's taught is history. But what if we called it white history, right? Um, because that's the vantage point that it often comes from, um, like the caller said. Um, so the movement to include um, African-American history is really just to include um, a more balanced look at what history is, a more holistic look of um, including everyone's story um, and um, take on things that have happened in the past. So absolutely important. I'm going to go to Alexis, who's calling from St. George. Hi, Alexis. Go ahead. Hi. I have much younger kids um, just entering kindergarten ages, and I'm wondering how do we approach this subject with really young kids? Do the idea of in general, because I just remember kind of always knowing about it. And I'm wondering, how do you start that first conversation where you're just telling them that this is even a thing that happens? I'll, I'll turn to you, Chris. You have a, a two-year-old there with you. Have you thought about when and what you're going to tell your son? I mean, I certainly, um, you know, growing up in Maine as a, as a young black man, I think understanding and learning about race at an early age was really important for me. Um, but I think, you know, like race, like race and racism, like it's a social construct, but it's something that is real. It is something that is tangible and like understanding that people have different skin colors and different skin tones and they're coming from different spaces. I think is an important thing to see and celebrate at an early age. Um, and I, you know, I certainly can't speak to what's, I don't know what's happening in, in elementary schools per se, but um, as, a, as a parent, I, I mean, we're, my sons too, we're talking about skin color right now. Like it's, we, we love, we love seeing people who are different or are looking different than we are. And we're excited to, to celebrate those people that are around us. 
Yeah, and Alexis, your call was a little bit garbled. I do think you were asking, and I want to make sure this is true, specifically about the concept of slavery and the history in this country. Am I, am I right, okay. Alexis? Exactly. Yeah. Like, we, we talk about, you know, different races and, and different people living on different continents and all that, but the idea of slavery specifically. Right. Right. Chris or, or, or Larissa, which of you wants to jump in on, on that and guidance for a mother of a young co- child? Um, I'll jump in. Um, so I used to teach early childhood and early elementary. So um, that's my uh, bread and butter. And I love it very much. I'm also the mother of um, three girls that are in my head still preschool, but you know, they're in their 20s now. Um, so um, I just want to say that I think the best place to talk about slavery is to begin first in just talking about race um, and humanity um, is probably the most important thing. Um, I think it's almost a luxury to even have the choice of whether you talk about it or not because African-American families, and I wanna say BIPOC families in general, have conversations all the time about um, race because it is inevitable. to, to have these conversations. So it's not really a choice, um, but going to the caller's question specifically about enslavement, I think the um, there's no topic that's really off the table. Um, Ruby Bridges was in kindergarten when she integrated at school, right? So um, if a child that young is is old enough to go to go through it, then we're, we're certainly obligated to talk about it um, at that age. Um, So um, I think handling it um, in such a way to really understand what's right and what's wrong is what's most important. Um, So I I don't think early, there ever ever is a time that it's early enough to talk about certain concepts, um, including slavery, um, but especially the concept of race. And Dr. Malone, I'm thinking as you're talking and using the example of Ruby Bridges, there are children's books out there telling her story and, and telling other stories. And maybe maybe that's a good way to have somebody who's a children's book author and illustrator who's an expert in, in children's education be your bridge. That's exact, exactly right. Um, I'm looking at the book right now, I'm Born on the Water, the 1619 Project. Um, and I'll just read the first page. It's uh, pretty quick. Um, but my teacher gave us an assignment. Who are you? She asks. Trace your roots. Draw a flag that represents your ancestral land. Most of the classmates can count back many generations and learn about the countries where their families came from. They draw their flags, but I leave my paper blank. I do not know where I begin, what my story is. At home, at home Grandma asks, how was school? I tell her about the assignment and how I couldn't finish it. I can only count back three generations here in this country. But before that, I do not know. I tell her that I am ashamed. Grandma gathers the whole family and says, come, let me tell you our beginning. Let me tell you where we're from, right? Um, So this is the first page. And I am imagining that this this child is probably like in kindergarten or first grade. This is a common assignment in school at a very early age where, you know, social studies begins with home, right? Um, And again, if this child is young enough to kind of have to grapple with this, I think that it really shows that every child should um, learn how to approach it in a sensible way as well. Um, And like I said, this is from the 1619 Project, which is surrounded with controversy. 
And after you hear that page, you kind of ask yourself why, right? <laughs> because this is a real life scenario. Um, yeah, but um, there's a slew of books that are out there that really introduce um, African-Americans um, in a very uh, humanistic way. And I think that's so important. Alexis, thanks for your call. Um, we're going to move up to Bath and Frederick. Hi, Frederick. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning, Jennifer and guests. I've been thoroughly enjoying this conversation, and I I have a question about actually my original point that I was going to raise, and I wonder about raising it. But um, here here's I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, suggest that we consider a. Um, well, there would be the universal education of America's history as one that has uh, um, not adhered to the dream and that it has affected everyone and that uh, we're all, we have an inclusive education that would teach the problems of uh, colonialism, um, slavery under the rubric not necessarily of black history, but of the unfulfilled dream of America's history. Because, well, we see today people having difficulty entering the, com uh, the country because of the same set of mental and emotional circumstances that were there at the colonial time, the fear of the other, right? So that Jews have been affected, and Eastern Europeans and Italians, my generation of Italian immigrants that came were treated horribly, as were the Irish when they came to America. So that America's history in its totality is an, un, is an untold story of not fulfilling a dream that our foremothers and forefathers had laid out. Sure. And Frederick, thank you. I think that what you're arguing against is sort of the sanit sanitization of American history. Uh, Dr. Malone. Um, yeah, that that's a, a great point. And I think you hit the nail on the head about the sanitization. I think um, what comes to mind is like cognitive dissonance. It's really hard for people to hold um, a certain ideal in their head um, and then hear other information that may come against that ideal um, or it's hard for the two to coexist. And so the immediate reaction is just to push aside the um, one of those ideas, for example, Thomas Jefferson being the architect of democracy, right? And some of our, you know, um, greatest documents in um, the United States that we um, really build our country upon. And then to also learn that he owned slaves. So that causes cognitive dissonance, right? How can these two things exist? And the knee-jerk reaction of some um, that do want to sanitize history is to say, well, we just have to silence that one part. We just won't talk about him owning slaves. That somehow can't be in the narrative um, instead of um, really leaning into it and embracing critical thinking around that. Um, so yeah, um, absolutely. I agree with the caller that um, there is a tendency just broadly to um, try to sanitize in that way. Frederick, thanks for your call. On the line with us now is Nadia Graham. She's a senior at Falmouth High School and heads the Diverse Student Union Club. Thanks for calling in, Nadia. Hi, thank you for having me. So tell us why you started the Diverse Student Union and what the goals are for the club. 
Yeah, so a little backstory. Um, I'm not from Maine. <clears throat> I am actually a military brat or used to be. So I've lived all over the place, including very diverse areas outside of Maine. Um, and moving to Maine was the first, I guess, 360, I guess you can say, when it comes to the lack of diversity in some areas like Falmouth, Maine. Um, and that's when I had to attend Falmouth High School. And I noticed a lot of, uh, I guess you can say, colorblindness that goes on at Falmouth with the lack of, it's a predominantly white school, with the lack of, you know, the white students understanding what racism is and that it still exists and that it's past slavery, you know. So I decided to start this club my junior year of high school to have it as an education base and also for a support group for the minorities at my school, the students of color to go to to talk about the racial issues that they go through. What has the response been to your club? It has honestly been really great with students. Um, the students' responses, I see that it's actually a majority white club. I'm not sure if that's because it's a predominantly white school, but um, there's more and more an interest with knowing outside of, you know, just learning about slavery and just a few things that we learn in our textbooks. But then you also have another side of white parents that are kind of pushing back on the club. Um, that's what I'm also noticing. But yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Do you sense any discomfort uh, among your classmates or their families when racial issues are discussed in school? Oh, definitely. I would say there's honestly more uncomfort than comfort. Um, a lot of students at Falmouth, too, especially, no matter their identity, um, it seems to be any student. And I really do think the root cause of that is because we have not really learned in depth about all history, like black and brown history in America and outside of America, unless you choose to take an elective class like I did, which was civil rights. But that's only an elective. It's not required to take. So not the entire student body is learning what a few students are learning at Falmouth. Do you think the discomfort is among people who are feeling like they're being forced to learn something they don't want to learn? Or do you think the discomfort is that people are afraid of saying the right thing and offending somebody or both? I honestly think it's both. Um, I think it's both. And I also think when it comes from the students of color perspective, like it used to be my perspective, where it's easier to try to just fit in with your white peers rather than, you know, stand up or talk about racial issues that you are facing with other white peers um, or just in the community in general. So I think it's really both. And then you also have that side of white students that feel that because they don't know the full extent of history of what's happening with black and brown Americans now and used to be, that they feel like it's kind of pushed in their face that they have to learn it when it's really not being pushed. Well, Nadia, I so appreciate you taking the time to call in today. That was Nadia Graham, who is a Falmouth High School senior, and she leads the Diverse Student Union. We're going to take another quick break. This is Maine Calling. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Rooks. You're listening to Maine Calling. Today on the program, Lessons in African-American Studies for Students in Maine. With me, Dr. Larissa Malone with the Teacher Education Department 
at the University of Southern Maine School of Education and Human Development, and Chris Jones, who teaches special ed at Noble High School. Both of you have several other titles, I know, but we do have one hour <laughs> on this program today. Join our conversation, 1-800-399-3566. Send a brief email to talk at mainepublic.org. Tweet at Maine Calling or post to our Facebook page or to Instagram. I'm going to read an email here from Kate. I went to high school in Southern Maine in the late 80s. Even though I took AP U.S. history, I don't remember learning much of any African-American history other than slavery in the context of the Civil War, Harriet Tubman, and Martin Luther King, and certainly not any black world history. I was ashamed and horrified that I hadn't heard about Juneteenth until it recently became a national holiday. It wasn't until my first year in college when I took an African-American studies class that I realized what a huge gap had occurred in my learning. I was one of only a handful of white students in that class, which was interesting in itself. So thank you so much for that email. I want to mention that um, we did reach out to the Department of Education for today's program, and the commissioner, Pender Macon, sent in um, an email to us to explain the Department of Education's role in the teaching of black history in Maine. Uh, in part, she writes, the DOE oversees the process by which educators review and revise the Maine learning results standards. We do not create required statewide curricula. St schools have to design their curricula to teach the skills and knowledge outlined in the state standards. This spring, the social studies standards are up for revision according to a five-year revolving schedule, and a recent law requires special attention to the incorporation of African-American history and culture into the standards. We strongly recommend the incorporation of multiple ac academic disciplines with active learning or project-based context. We hope that important content like African-American history and culture will be taught across a variety of disciplines. So Chris Jones, what does that look like across a variety of disciplines? What is best practice? I mean, I think across multiple disciplines, I think from your, from your arts perspective, ensuring that students are engaging with a variety of different musicians, variety of different artists are incorporating different artistic styles um, from the from the science departments ensuring that students are getting a, a good perspective of who's out there who's doing who's doing science now who's done science in the past um that is providing a, a clearer picture of all of the people that have been involved with all of the amazing discoveries that we are, are benefiting from today um and like i said before from you know the english curriculum ensuring that we're providing a variety of different perspectives that are, you know, the classics are classics, but there's a ton of amazing literature out there that, that we can, you know, what makes a classic a classic other than it's just something that we've done for a long time. I mean, certainly some great books, but there are a bunch of amazing authors that we need to incorporate and we can incorporate um, that can provide a lot of different perspectives. And then I think historically, I think we've covered a lot of that. Today. Um, there is a lot of history within our country and within our state that students haven't engaged with in the past um, that would provide a greater perspective and greater opportunity for them to move forward. Um, we haven't been perfect. We've, you know, in the past and we can certainly do better. And the only way we can do better is by taking a deeper look at everything that, everything that has, has, has come before. So, um, 
Larissa, what would you like to add to what Chris has said? Yeah, um, I'm honestly thinking about um, the ethos of Maine that has just been, um, that has struck me since I've been here and the idea of local control, especially especially with education, um, which I completely appreciate just the, um, the idea of education being um, grassroots um, and ran by districts. Um, I just wanna remind um, the listeners that that doesn't always necessarily apply or work well when it comes to issues of equity. And this is why many of the callers have called in with the same sort of testimonial of, you know, not learning uh, African-American history or only learning a limited amount and even it being embarrassed by not knowing it after they've been launched into the world. Um, so when you think of the civil the civil war, um, if we let, let local control take over when it was an issue of equity, right, enslavement, we would have two different countries right now, right? Um, when we think of local control um, with Brown versus Board of Education, the integration of schools, it was 10 years after the ruling that um, schools were still not integrated, right? It took the federal government um, to, um, to do something to integrate schools, right? Um, and when I say federal government, I simply mean policy, right? So um, within that um, DOE statement, I appreciate so much, you know, the the um, spirit of it. Um, but hope isn't policy, right? Um, if we hope, you know, something happens, it it might not. So I think that's why it's so important um, for the bill um, LD 1664 to have been passed. That African American history is, you know should become a part of, you know, the everyday curriculum and not be a, not be a choice. Um, and honestly, I feel like there needs to be a little bit even more teeth am amongst that to even educate the teachers so they're able to teach it and to make sure that it moves beyond hope, um, that it is something that every student has access to um, across the state of Maine. We'll go to Nicole, who's calling from Holton. Hi, Nicole, go ahead. Nicole, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> Had on mute. Hi, how are you? Um, good, good. I'm an, uh, intensely um, listening to everything. Uh, but my question is also a bit more generic. So I've been to Brazil from north to south, and um, something I, I, I know when I talk to people here in the U.S. is that they are not aware that Portugal uh, <clears throat> used uh, Brazil or basically the Southern Hemisphere as an entrance also for slavery. That's why uh, it's the only country that speaks Portuguese. Um, but my question also is none of them call themselves African Brazilians. For them, they are Brazilians today. Uh, they still honor all their culture, uh, local and abroad. Um, but they're, they're proud of it and not, they don't feel any distinction um, regardless of, of the history of what happened. Thank, thank you, Nicole, for that. And, and boy, this is opening an entirely um, bigger discussion. Um, but uh, Dr. Malone, I'll turn to you. When I was in graduate school in um, journalism, I had a professor even way back then uh, a black professor who did not like the phrase African-American for a number of reasons, but one is he said, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know where that person is from? Um, what do you have to say about Nicole's comment? 
Yeah, that's an interesting comment. I will say that race um, in the way that we define it in America is a very American unique thing, right? Um, because it's been used so uniquely here and has been built into the fabric of our laws and even how actually who qualifies to be a citizen um, in America, um, that is built into the, the um, system as well. Um, and it is along the lines of race. But um, I will push back just a little bit because I, I do have many colleagues in like the comparative international education realm that, that do talk a lot about being Afro-Brazilian um, and the um, issues of um, discrimination there, um, even around colorism. Um, I have a, a, a colleague who um, actually did a, a, a analysis on textbooks um, and how um, African American, oh, I'm sorry, uh, black blackness was represented in Brazilian books and textbooks. So it may not be as necessarily mainstream as it is here, but there is an undertone um, among Afro-Brazilians in many ways um, to uh, really analyze how race has played a, a role even in in brazil um so but yes the caller is right i mean it's a very american thing it's something that um has really uh hassled us in a unique way i think so nicole thanks for your call uh, an email here from amanda i'm curious to hear your guest speakers take on something i saw on instagram which was a comment that said Slavery is white history, not black history. And so sometimes the focus over slavery and black history month ends up killing the stories of wonderful black leaders in the United States. So I'm curious to know what your speakers think about whether even slavery should be part of black history month curriculum and how instead we could start to focus on black leaders in many facets of our nation's history. And Chris, I'll go to you first. I mean, yeah, it's an interesting idea. And I, I certainly think that, uh, you know, it, to omit slavery from from black history is, you know, it's a huge component of it. But I think certainly in the effort of this this year's uh, focus, this theme is is black resistance. So identifying individuals who throughout that period of time, starting from slavery, moving forward, who have resisted those kinds of overt kinds of, of racism in our history, I think would be. I think would speak to what the caller is talking about. I think there's definitely, definitely a, uh, an important component there. Larissa. I absolutely agree with what Chris is saying. Um, slavery is, um, uh, or enslavement um, is um, a important part of history, of African-American history, of American history for that matter, um, but it's not the only part. Um, so, to the caller's um, point, um, yes, let's do all of it. Let's focus on, you know, leaders. Let's focus on before enslavement, right? Um, let's focus on enslavement. Let's focus on the Black resistance within the enslavement period. Um, and let's focus on just the everyday contributions that um, African-Americans make to history. Um, so yes, and we can do it all. Uh, I want to go back to... Pender Macon's comment and that she said that um, that the curricula and the state standards will be updated this spring. Um, Dr. Malone, are you part of this process? And if if not, what would you advise the group of people updating the standards to consider? 
Yeah, I'm not part of the process. Um, and I think my advice would just be to have people that are knowledgeable about the process um, to be part of the process. Um, I think it's important to include, um, there's a long history of African-Americans in the state, right? Um, that have been here generations that are not necessarily included in the conversations that are so germane to, um, let's say, writing standards, right? Um, and I would encourage the inclusion of um, those voices that are sensitive to um, how African-American history is presented, how African-American history is included, and really expanding the definition of what history is. Again, I use that term um, history because what's, what's understood before that is white history, right? Um, so I'm re really reimagining what history is and for it to be inclusive. So that would be my advice to have people at the table that really can contribute to the conversation um, and are mindful of um, how um, the curriculum is um, portrayed, the people delivering the curriculum, what and what knowledge they have, so the teachers and supporting them with having um, information of how to teach Black history and having the knowledge of what Black history is, um, I think it is so important as well. So, uh, Chris, what would you add to that? What would you, what are you hoping that will be reflected when the standards are updated? I, I just would certainly echo what Dr. Malone just said. I think she put it very well. And I think the importance of, of recognizing the potential for unintentional harm as, as, as the education of Black History is incorporated and how we do it um, and, and how to work through that um, and how to have conversations with students when harm does happen and how to have conversations as a community when harm does happen within a community that's a larger conversation than just the history standards, but like pulling those pieces apart after the fact is such an important part to how school culture and community culture can be grown um, as a state. But that's a much that's a much bigger conversation. Um, yeah. Well, so I'll I'll Chris is saying um, you're spot on, Chris. Right? Because just because you're talking about Black history it can be done wrong, right? It can be more harmful than it, it can be helpful. So really having some um, identity um, uh, support um, and having teachers work through that is really important, just as important as giving them the tools to teach the history that is needed to be um, distributed to everyone. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us today. The voice you just heard, Dr. Larissa Malone, Assistant Professor and Chair of Teacher Education Department at USM and Chris Jones, a special ed teacher at Noble High School. Today's sound engineer was George Thomas. Main Calling is produced by Jonathan Smith and Cindy Hahn. Tomorrow on the program, we are gonna learn about Maine's seal population. I'm Jennifer Rooks. You have been listening to Main Calling on Maine Public Radio.